I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, loving what you do, and a little bit about dip pen. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode... 439. Loving it. So, how did this show get its title? It is definitely not a week in which the words loving it even feel like they come into play, but the show has been waiting and in play for a few days. So, you know, it happens. I was recording notes for the show while laying on the couch one morning before even getting up. And when I got done entering some notes about dip pen, notes for this show, I scrolled up to the top of my file and I was going to make some intro notes, this first part, the way we ease into our conversations, our one-sided discussions about creativity and life and mindfulness and balance and trying to find our footing and our way and I tapped into the title field accidentally, and loving it popped up. The words, loving it. Those were the last words I had just written before that, the other end of the file, and so they auto-entered. I looked at those words for a minute and thought, okay, that fits. That's it. Loving it. Loving it. Loving it is good. Loving it is better than okay, or fine, or passing time. Loving it shows investment, buy-in, shows that you care, that you're committed one way or the other. No apathy here. I am loving it. I hope you work on creative things you love. I think I could just sit here once a week and tell you that in all sincerity and it would have value. I think you need to hear that. I think we all need to hear that again and again and again. We need someone to give us permission to love it, to say, I am loving it. I hope you are open to the process of loving it, loving the creative things that you work on, and that you don't get wrapped up in thinking you shouldn't love what you do or don't have a right to love what you do or shouldn't admit to loving what you do. Some people have lots of support, lots of friends, or just the luck of the universe on their side and they get the love. They get the love given to them. Other people say, I am loving it. But that doesn't just naturally happen to everyone. You need to love what you do so that it matters to you, no matter what. And I hope you are open to the possibility of loving the actual doing, the process 
Regardless of how something turns out, if you love the process, love how it makes you feel, love what your mind does while you're working on your thing, it's worth it. Sometimes loving what we do is all we have. We can't always count on or expect others to give us that validation. We need to be standing up and giving it to ourselves. The reason we're doing whatever that creative thing is should be because we like to do it and we like how it feels. Not just that we like what other people think about us doing it. We need to be standing up and giving ourselves the validation, maybe quietly, maybe with a shy sideways glance, or maybe boldly, maybe with arms thrown wide. I am loving it. Be on the lookout for moments where loving what you do, the recognition of that, that feeling, that moment where it washes over you, where all of a sudden you think, I really enjoy this. It makes me happy. It gives me something, something I need, something I wish I had more of, something that matters. That recognition and awareness might pop into your head when you are sitting or standing or maneuvering in your space or right after you finish for the day. It might just pop into your head when you least expect it just out of nowhere. What I think sometimes we need is a river of loving what we do, one that flows strongly enough to carry us through days that are dark or troubled or lonely or quiet or sad, empty. We need that river. It's important to know that building the habit, the routine, The space in your life and days is what allows you to keep filling and fueling that river. It might not seem important when things are rosy, but if you nurture that river, keep following the contours of what you love, it might be there on days when you need it. I took apart bunk beds last weekend. They have been broken for a long time, more than a year. So the top bunk wasn't usable, which we didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. So for more than a year, we've had an unusable bed. Now that I have taken them apart, I wonder if it could have been fixed. We didn't think so, but now I wonder. Maybe not. Maybe And even more importantly, I don't know that anyone would have ever trusted those beds again. But I took apart bunk beds. It's not something you get to say very often. I took apart bunk beds. Things that had stood here for 15 plus years. I dismantled them. I had no idea how to do it. But it finally had to be done, and waiting around wasn't going to magically make it happen. Clear the room, get things out to the curb, none of that was going to happen, just poof, magically. 
everything does what it should do. No, I dismantled the bunk beds. I may not have fully realized the weeping scope of the task of clearing up even part of the room, but I could see the immediate task. Take apart the bunk beds. It was the first task in the line of all other tasks. And I didn't have someone to simply do it for me. So I started with the ladder. I found the first set of screws, the first set that I could figure out how to undo. And then I started working my way from there to remove screws and then bolts. I was careful. I did as much as I could on my own until I got all the way to the point where I felt there was a little bit of a risk that the bed might fall on me. And so I got some help to finish up. Top bunk gone. It is the end of an era. It changes lots of things and also marks some new things. And there is still something else to carry out, and I can't do that on my own. But there has been a lot of sorting. I will say that a box of Nerf toys that I put in the driveway with the word free scrawled on the box disappeared in a blink. But there was a really funny moment in this process. I had found a screwdriver, and when it turned out to not be quite big enough to grip the screw head, I went looking for another one. The first one I found in a catch-all drawer was a short red screwdriver. And on its side, it read Tonka, a toy screwdriver. I laughed to myself, the utter irony. But it felt solid. It wasn't plastic. I took it in, figured I would give it a try. And... It worked. I removed most of the screws after that with a screwdriver that must have come in a childhood tool set. Somehow perfect. I dismantled the bunk beds with a Tonka Tools screwdriver. The world does come full circle at times. I talked a little bit about the 100 day project last time, but It's time to talk a little bit more about it. That's what's been on my mind. And as part of the 100 Day Project, I have been exploring dip pen. I am also using circles as a shape and a container and an organizational tool and a framework in my illustrated journal. The dip pen was something that sparked my curiosity in the last year, especially because I thought it would enable me to switch inks whenever I wanted to. I love fountain pens and I love fountain pen ink, but it's hard to switch colors all the time. So I thought dip pens might enable that. I had this image that I might just be able to willy-nilly dip here and dip there and use all the colors that way. I spent a lot of time considering using dip pen, and I recorded a podcast last year about that. And then I decided it probably wouldn't work that way. It wouldn't really work that way. One of the big questions I had was whether or not fountain pen ink 
woodwork with a dip pen, because that was sort of central to my whole idea of being able to use all the samples really easily, if I could do that with a dip pen. So that was still a question I had, and the more research I did, the more I thought it might not work. And specifically, I was interested in drawing with dip pen. Not just mark making, not just dripping ink, not using it for wash. I was interested in being able to draw with dip pen in a really precise way, very similar or the same as I might with a fountain pen or something like a micron. So I wanted to draw, but I also wanted to open up the world of colors and samples. So my research suggested, oh, fountain pen ink might not work. It might be too thin. Some might work. Some might not. There is also ink that is specifically made for dip pen. There is ink that manga artists, for example, they use with dip pen. So all of that went together to create a picture in which dip pen might not really accomplish what I wanted. And so I talked myself completely out of it and just started dipping my fountain pens. So when I was ready to try a different color, I would just dip one of them in a different color. I have one that I don't even have a converter for, so I figured it's perfect. I just keep dipping the nib in different inks. And then I have another one that actually fits really nicely into a sample bottle because they're fairly narrow. And this pen fits fairly nicely, and it turned out to simply work well to just dip it. So I did that. It's not the same experience as a real dip pen. I didn't quite know the ways in which it differed at the time. I do now, but it wasn't the same experience, but it did work. It did work. Reasonable amount of success with that. It still wasn't quite as easy to rinse the color out of a pen as I had thought it might be. It still sucks quite a bit up into the feed, just dipping it. But if you don't really care about getting totally pure color, if you're not swatching to prove what a color looks like, then it worked okay. You could just clean it or not clean it and go ahead and dip into whatever you wanted. Just go with it. For example, I might dip in a different shade of magenta, use that for a while, and when it seems to be pretty much out, wipe it off on a napkin and dip it again into something else, something similar. But there's still ink in the feed when you do that, so it's not going to be completely pure. So last year, I talked myself out of the dip pen. Partly I didn't need to buy something new. Partly, I fear rabbit holes these days. There's got to be some kind of Elmer Fudd thing in here that I can tease out at a later date. I fear rabbit holes. Partly, I also thought dip pen might be too much of a mess or too messy for my nighttime routine. Too messy to work on a fold-up table while I'm watching TV for all of that. My creative lifestyle is not in a big fancy room or a dedicated space or a special table or a special desk or any of that. So I said no to dip pen. 
I said no. And I started dipping just a few of the other pins. And I should mention, if it hasn't already been clear in the last many minutes, I am talking about P-E-N-S, pens. And I think without exception in this conversation, every time I say that word, it will mean that, a P-E-N-S. There's often confusion. Evidently, the way I say it, people interpret it as the other word that sounds very similar. So we'll just go ahead and say that. So if you've been confused so far, I am talking about things you draw with or write with, dip pens. So I said no. But as is often true with things that we push aside, that we push aside, that we think we have talked ourselves out of, it just didn't go away. The idea persisted. The idea kept lurking there in the shadows. And then one day a few weeks ago, completely out of the blue and completely unrelated, I was looking at Instagram and specifically looking at feeds that I don't interact with. You can pull them up that way and see all these accounts that you don't interact with as often. I was going through some of those just to see what they were. The assumption is that those might not be accounts that you still want to follow. But in most cases, as I looked through the accounts listed, I kept wishing those were accounts that I was seeing all the time. Sort of sad that I was not even aware of all of this great art that was showing up on those accounts. And then I was totally taken by surprise when one of the accounts I pulled up was an artist using dip pen. I don't know the artist, but at some point I followed the artist. But the work was all dip pen. And at least in recent work, she was specifically using a maru or mapping nib. And that's a much smaller nib than the Zebra G. The Zebra G is very popular. It's a very popular nib for dip pen users. It's very common, and it is one that many of you might have heard of. It's definitely not the only one that's very common, but you might have heard of Zebra G. There's also a difference in nibs from Japan and other nibs, and tend to be sort of two pathways or trajectories on this. So people who are using things like a school nib or a Zebra G or a Maru, those tend to be Japanese, and you will often see them in conversations about manga, the manga inks and all of that. And then there's this whole other side where you will see people talking about speedball and calligraphy and using dip pens in slightly other ways. You can also draw with them, but there do seem to be sort of two, two paths, two roads. So probably going to end up with something very similar. I know the names and numbers of some of the nibs that are similar to the Maru on the other side, but I went down the the Japanese side. So I looked around after seeing this person with her Maru nib. I looked around and I discovered that the Maru nib was actually one of the nibs in some of the sampler packs that I had been considering back when I did all of the looking around. But I didn't realize even that that might be something of particular interest to me until I saw it in use. And as soon as I realized that it creates very fine lines, 
I was super intrigued. And that artist that I was looking at at Instagram, her work was very fine. Very fine, which made me so hyper aware of the fact that there's this nib out there that creates very fine lines. How often have I talked about wanting to get really fine lines with a fountain pen? My extra fine has never been fine enough, which is partly why I spent so much time last year shifting into micron work. The Maru nib, also called the mapping nib, stole my heart just with the potential of it. Still, I wasn't really planning on a dip pen project. But the idea of those fine lines, it was pretty intense. You get something like that lodged in your head, you start to covet the whole idea of it. It's not like we're talking about hundreds of dollars. In the scheme of all the things I want right now, this one was really, really not nearly as big of a deal as it seemed. And then I saw blue. I saw blue. Saw blue in that suddenly aware of the mapping nib and thinking about dip pen again, a couple of artists that I follow started showing up with dip pen, dip pen work and fine nibs, exceptionally fine nibs, very precise line work and controlled hatching. The universe is pretty compelling. And I don't have a whole lot of people who talk to me anyway, so I am perfectly situated to hear such messages, right? Right. So I decided to give it a try. I didn't really want to have to buy something to do this, but, you know, and I wasn't really sure it would have any real bearing on my creative life. I really didn't think I was going to end up liking it. Liking it. Much less loving it. But when I laid out all the ideas that I had for the 100-day project, Dip Pen was still there. And it was there in a way that left me thinking, no, I'm not going to really do this. It didn't feel like a contender. It didn't feel like the right thing to focus on. But in the week between that post, that list, that exercise in deep thinking about what I wanted to do and why and the start of the challenge, I just couldn't get to pin out of my head. It just felt so right. I kept thinking, what a perfect way to experiment with dip pen, this hundred days of trying it out, a hundred days of learning how to use a dip pen, of exploration, of letting myself start at the beginning, something completely new to me, and just explore. But I didn't think that would be my main project. So I definitely still was putting it as second. I was going to do something else that would be my real art for each day. And I was still trying to figure out what that would be. I didn't think I would only do dip pin. I thought it would be the tag along or a ride along. And I thought, well, I can do something else for my real art, my real art. And I can just swatch things every day with dip pin. I can spend time practicing mindfulness, making marks, hatching, 
just learn how to use a dip pen. This all sounds pretty funny to me. Now it sounds pretty funny to me. I don't know exactly what I thought was going to happen, but I had a sense from the way people talk about dip pen that it was going to be so different. So different. So different. I waited until the last minute to order. Really unsure if I wanted to do this or not. I waited so long that I didn't even get Maru nips. I made instead what I thought was a practical and reasonable move, and I got a holder with a pack of zebra G's. That was available, affordable, accessible, could be here in pretty much a day or two. So my pen arrived the day before the challenge started. And when I dipped it in ink the first time and started making lines, I was surprised to find that it felt very much like fountain pen. Now, really, that makes a lot of sense. But people always make it out to seem like it's very different. So, yes, there is some scratch. And sometimes it's a scratch that doesn't bother me, and sometimes it does. Sometimes it's satisfying, and sometimes it's not. I've been paying attention to that because it's really noticeable with the dip pen. I've been paying attention to it because I never can figure out where I fall on the do you like feedback or not with a pen. Feedback is that sort of sound and tactile sensation when you use the pen. And I never can figure out where I fall on that. My instinct is that I am a no-go on feedback. But dip pen definitely has feedback. In some situations, you hear it. And I like that. I do kind of like that. In other moments, there's a feeling that goes along with the sound, the feeling of the scratching, or even worse, dragging, and that's not so good. So sometimes the scratch is a sound, it's a sound that matches the rhythmic line and is associated with flow, and sometimes the scratch is associated with the catch of the nib on paper, a feeling that's jarring and disturbing. But all of these things can happen with any pen. Or at least I definitely have some fountain pens that do this. So I still don't know really what it is I like. I feel like I'm so all over the place. But my first drawing, it felt very similar to other drawings that I've done with other pens. Dip pen just didn't feel that different to me. My approach to hatching and line work seemed to work very similarly with dipping. In the very first portrait that I did, I was really pushing it too. I was really trying to understand the difference. My brain was trying to make sense of the things that intellectually I know about the nib, know about the flexibility of the nib, know about the line width and variation you can get with the nib. I was really pushing that, trying to make it all happen so that I could see what I was getting into and get a feel for what this was going to be like. I think I literally pushed harder on that drawing than anything I've done since. That drawing feels etched on the page. But since then, I think they've all been a lot more relaxed. Just overall, it just didn't feel that different. Because the Zebra G has flex, I was trying to really make that flex happen, see that variability of line, 
that's not supernatural for me to draw with that kind of pressure. I had to really press to make that happen. I found that the regular line, though, my more consistent in weight, was really natural for me. I had no problem doing regular drawing and regular hatching and regular line work with the same kind of consistency I would with any other pen. And so my first drawing felt pretty similar. I decided, okay, I will go ahead with this. Give it a go for 100 days. I still thought I would just practice with it, do some swatching, whatever. I still didn't know if other inks would work. I figured that was part of the exploration. Since my first experiment with the black ink worked just fine, that all made sense because what I want to do is draw anyway, and I tend to draw in black. So I thought, well, okay, if you like it, Amy, and if you stick with it, then maybe you should get the Maru nibs if you go maybe 14 days. So just a completely arbitrary amount. Two weeks seemed like a good trial period if I was going to stick with it. I'm still enjoying it. Then maybe it was worth trying the other nibs. It's funny how we make these deals with ourselves. But deep down, I keep thinking, oh, the Maru nib, it's going to be the answer. It's going to be my nib. This is the nib I've been waiting for. And it's funny how we think about things, how we get attached to ideas like that, a bit mystical, a bit mysterious, a bit hopeful, a secret key or a garden found. So a 14-day deal with myself. And in the first two weeks of the 100-day project, I continued to be super surprised at how natural a dip pen feels to me. It was really confusing on some level. I said that to a few people and I guess it just sounds odd. I guess maybe it doesn't make sense from the outside, but I have seen enough people talk about using dip pen as if it is something so different, something that you really have to learn to use and learn to control and learn how to not drip. I don't know. I didn't expect it to feel so normal, so same. And it has. It does. And that could make it a little anticlimactic. But it's also been really fascinating because there is this fineness to it. And there's this scratch. And so I did not spend the first two plus weeks of the project just making marks in a book or on scrap paper or trying to learn how to control the pen the way that I thought I might. It didn't make any sense to do that. Instead, I did what I do. I drew with it. I ended up using the pen to draw my daily drawings, mostly portraits, in my illustrated journal. I just went ahead and started using dip pen for all of my drawing. And I have loved it. A couple of times I would get ready to draw something and just for convenience, I would glance over at a micron and think, no, nah. And I would grab the dip pen, unscrew the ink and draw. Got a little empty yogurt jar that I fill with water, keep some paper towels. That's pretty much it. 
it has been really just funny. Funny in the not so funny way. There's nothing really ha ha funny about it. It's just funny. Funny in the curious way that things sometimes surprise us and somehow things fit us and somehow things are just right. And I don't know that I would have tried this had I not decided to do it for the 100-day project, for a formal project like this. I don't know that right now I would have added something. I have, in the last couple of days, last week maybe, experimented a bit with dipping into some of my fountain pennings and some of the colored inks. I have done so with varying amounts of success. And I am gathering some info, a set of tips and observations, notes, practical guidance, guidelines, I don't know, things for those who might be interested in using dip pen, sort of what I am discovering or learning or little tidbits as I use it. All of that is sort of what I think this kind of project will lead to, an accumulation of this kind of material. And I'm really interested in that. That makes sense to me as the outcome of this kind of project. There are things to notice about how the pen moves certain ways and not in others. And really getting a feel for some of those nuances and what it means in terms of drawing. So there are a few little things, a few little quirks, things I notice. I tend to still do it both ways sometimes, but there is one direction that works better than others. If you draw with fountain pen, you know how similar things are true. Ironically, one of the most difficult things so far is actually drawing my circle or inking it with dip pen. I can do the entire portrait without any trouble, but when it comes time to actually outline that circle, it always ends up not being smooth. The scratching is always an issue in that moment because you can't make that pen move in every direction. So it's definitely been a little frustrating. I am having to just get used to some really wonky circles. Uh, That's okay. It is okay. And yes, I could just outline the circle with something else. You would probably never know, but I would know. And I'm a little bit of a stickler for having the same kind of ink. If I'm going to use black ink, I like it to all be the same. I can always tell the difference. So we all have our little things that we notice. But otherwise, it's been going really smoothly, and I am just loving it. And that's where the title came from. Now, I have to say something very funny. It's very funny to me, although, because if you have super sensitive ears, you might actually just, just close your ears for two seconds. But sometimes when I put parts of these notes in, I do it through voice recording into a text app. And it's almost always a little bit of a disaster yet to find an app that really can get what I'm saying. And when I went back later to look at these notes, there were some very funny 
autocorrects or misinterpretations or whatever, however you want to look at that. But I got to this one line and I just laughed out loud. There were definitely a couple of things. So this one just cracked me up though. And there's one thing in here that doesn't even make any sense, but I'll just read it the way it says it. I copied it so that I could do this. It says, because I waited so late to order anyway, I ended up getting all said that came with the nipple holder and a pack of zebra cheese. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> so it's definitely late. It's been a long day. I'm recording at the opposite end of my day. And the other thing that was super funny is where, of course, I said dip pen about a thousand times. And it got those as depends. And <laughs> so I'd be reading through and it talks about I'm exploring depends. And so I thought depends might enable this or that. And it was, it was very funny. Very funny. <laughs> very funny. My notes on dip pen, the things I thought I might want to talk about. Uh, the audio conversion had a field day with, but I'm definitely curious about zebra cheese. You betcha. <laughs> zebra cheese and my nipple holder. Okay. Yeah, you're probably offended. <laughs> Go figure. All right. I hope you're loving it, whatever it is for you. So I recorded this show yesterday and I realized after I finished that I should update a few things in between getting ready for that show and recording. I did order the Maru nib that you heard me talk about in the show. And so I am now experimenting with that. It's also not any kind of contradiction, but I have joined a couple of different groups. One of them is an ink group, and I am so loving seeing people talk about colored inks and show them. I have followed so many Instagrammers who share ink, but there is a different level of interaction already in doing it this way. And I am just thrilled to have stumbled into this group. I have been considering starting some other kind of group to try and get some kind of interaction with people who do illustrated journaling. And the fountain pen ink group is not in any way a fulfillment of that, but it's another piece of this sort of puzzle and really enjoying already seeing people just talk about ink in really practical ways without any gamemanship. Not super related, but definitely a high point of my night. I found last night that going in and recording really late because I haven't been able to fit it in completely transformed my day. And then after that, I realized how much that was true. And then I sat and filled a page with writing, an illustrated journal page with writing, which I don't always let myself do in the way I probably should, partly because probably no one should see it. And then I did my portrait because I had already done quite a bit of circle work and hatching earlier in the evening 
but I still needed to do some dip pen and I still wanted to do an actual drawing, a portrait or something. So I did a portrait and it was the perfect way to finish out the night. It was a really important part of the evening for me. I realized how much my mood changed in those last hour or so. I didn't even start the portrait until 1130 or so at night, but I didn't want to not do my dip pen for the day. It's important for me. I always fit the drawing time in and it's also important to me to feel real in doing the dip pen every day since that's what I say I am doing. So I did the portrait. I didn't finish all of the hair, but I did, I penciled her and then I inked her features and the outlines of her hair and finished it just now with my cup of coffee on a Saturday morning. And that was pretty nice, pretty nice, really both the last night part and the right now part. And what I want to be able to do is also be somehow filming this and talking to you in a different way and vlogging, really talking through some of this in a more visual form, being able to work on things and talk about them at the same time. And so I'm still not letting go of that either. I'm not letting go of that. And it may or may not be fast, but part of me keeps saying, you're making a huge mistake by always waiting for someday. So I continue to push in little ways. The time lapse is one thing, but it is not the end all answer. Me showing you just time lapse of my drawing was never completely the point. I would like to be actually doing some other things, some showing you some pens and some inks and some hatching and some mindfulness where we just use that time live, not all sped up and frenzied, but live. And you talk, I talk, we talk, we listen, we hear the clink against the jar. We hear the scratch on the page and just connect in a different way, very similar to the podcast, but with a video element. So I am still taking steps towards that. And I have been playing around with some shorts, which are definitely really casual, under 60 second things. They are much more like an Instagram reels or something like that, a vertical format under 60 seconds. And it's interesting. It's freeing because it's so short that you can just turn a video camera on and feel like you can capture whatever it is. It doesn't have to be super polished. It doesn't have to be super lit. It doesn't even need narration and put it up. And so I'm exploring that, not because I think they're super high quality, but because it is letting me see how that works. And it's easy to do with my phone but it's not super satisfying to watch 60 seconds. If what you were really wanting is to watch a five minute hatching session where you can just zone out on someone's hatching. 
And that could be hatching with no talk and it could be hatching with talk. There's two ways to go about that. But the biggest step when it actually happens is when I turn a camera on myself and see what, what happens there. I need some kind of giant blank wall behind me and that I don't have. And that Amazon can't really deliver, but I also need some other things. So starting with what I have, doing what I can, and it may just not be anything. It may not be possible. It may just not work. It may not be able to fit in with everything else. And so I do have to think it through, but I don't want to talk myself out of anything. So I'm aware of those risks. And I watched one video that said, take your cue from your audience. If your audience is not saying, Hey, yeah, you should do this. Or I really enjoy that. Or this is really great. Then maybe you should not be doing it. And I found myself a bit flummoxed by hearing that because that is so not the advice I would give people. And yet in the video space, it might be true. It might be true. I'm hoping it's not true. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's not true. And part of me says, Amy, you've never gotten that kind of support and feedback for your podcast. And you've continued for now. I will hit 15 years in just a few months. And you haven't ever let it stop you. And it might be that video is similar. It might not be. Feels a little more vulnerable to do video. Maybe a lot more vulnerable to do video. So those are some of the things I'm thinking. And I just probably added about 10 minutes to the show. I don't even have my mic set up. This is basically field note style. This is very similar to me sitting in my car, just talking. Just going to add another addendum. This may be the eternal and unending kind of show, which seems silly, but I have the sense that you're not going to want to listen to Dippin necessarily again next week. You might not have listened all the way through this week, but after I recorded, and then yesterday I did a lot of work with the Maru Nib, which I've used a couple of times. Actually, probably I used almost every day last week for week three. And I was using it yesterday and I recorded a little bit of short footage and I was shocked by how loud the scratch was when I listened back. It was pretty funny. And using it definitely might put your teeth on edge. That's what I'm thinking. Today I was finishing up something with some detail with the Maru and I decided I needed to switch to Zebra G to do the next thing because I knew that it would be looser and allow the bigger line and be somehow easier to fill that space and would allow me the fluidity for some lettering. Now that's a very 
interesting switch already because at the beginning I thought the Zebra G was also fairly scratchy and also harder to navigate and to control. But after using the Maru for about a week and enjoying that really fine line for some of the drawing, definitely the Zebra G feels like a breath of fresh air in terms of comfort. I went ahead and switched and I filled in this really simple set of panels and then the lettering and the lettering was oh so satisfying with the Zebra G. And so I had some other blank space on the page and I just filled in a little bit more lettering. And I have to say, I really love what I can do with Zebra G with simple lettering and notes. There's something about the shape I get and I can't reproduce that quite the same way with fountain pen. But today, just making a few notes with the Zebra G, I was just loving it. Loving it definitely was the right title for this show. Could not have known. So I am still learning about how this all feels. My opinions are continuing to shift. I notice this nib seems to have a lot more flex now. It may be that it's a little more broken in. And it might be that if I put another Zebra G nib on, I will find it stiff again. And that may be part of the process and part of what I'm sorting out. And I just wanted to jump back in and clarify and qualify because I know that two nights ago I was, oh, the universe has probably sent me a Maru nib, (laughs) so to speak, and that it would solve all of my drawing, everything, whatever. I I don't know that I have problems, but it would just solve the mystery of the fine line. And maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. That scratch is, uh, it's intense. It has such a needle, needle nose kind of point that I feel like my nerves are on edge right now using it. And that is, I didn't think that the first few days, but somehow yesterday using it and really focusing on the sound of it, I was realizing how incredibly scratchy that is. And I haven't found a point at which It's just a super fluid feel, whereas the Zebra G is. Now, Maru should have some flex too, and there are soft Marus. I haven't been able to source that, but I might not need to. I might like the firm Maru for the fine line work and the Zebra G for this other stuff. And it makes me think I might want to try some of those different nibs. There are a couple others that I think might give some slightly thicker line and I might really like for lettering and that is a little bit unexpected. So that's me. That's me here on a Sunday morning because I didn't do a full show because this other one is waiting to be edited. So thought I would just add that on. And again, this is super field notes. I kind of think we need some ad hoc in our lives. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for episode 439. Thank you for tuning in to the CMP. Thank you if you listened all the way through. I really appreciate it. Maybe zebra cheese was worth the slog of it all. I do really appreciate those of you who listen. If you listen, I would love to hear from you and know that you are out there and listening. 
it would probably be a really helpful bit of feedback these days to know that there are people who still listen to this show. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy, and the Illustrate Your Week prompts are on the Creativity Matters podcast feed at Instagram. Thank you to those of you who support the show in any way especially those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. A word for the week. You would think I would plan this ahead, but there's something so much more real about just doing it on the spot. So I'm in an unusual space and I am looking around and what will I find? Oh, well, I always think these should be really non sequiturs. They should, sometimes they're super connected, but sometimes they're just so random and that's what makes them kind of fun. And it actually is funny because I am in an unusual space, but I'm not in the kitchen, but the word is bacon. And it's because where I'm sitting, there's actually a bacon stuffed animal, which is something that was sort of in the get rid of pile, but I haven't decided about that. So bacon, we'll go with bacon. Okay. If you're vegetarian, I guess you could do something else. Do tofu. I don't know. Otherwise it's bacon. You don't have to eat it. You just have to write it or draw it or something like that. So bacon until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.